Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by... Yak Gadget. For all your kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. The 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Off the Water. I'm your host, JP. Today, I have a very, very awesome guest coming to you from the state of Colorado. He is a fellow firefighter, a fellow brother, and he has something pretty awesome in the works that we're going to talk about today. I'd like to introduce you guys to Mr. David Varney. What's going on, brother? How are you doing, my friend? Appreciate you letting us let me join tonight, so thank you. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for taking the time out and, and hopping on the show. Absolutely. So, so Dave, go ahead. And uh, before we get into um, everything that you you got going on right now with uh, Firehouse Fishing, we'll let that out soon to be. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about uh, you, a little bit of your fishing background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's I'd love to. Um little bit about myself. I grew up in the state of Colorado my whole life, and um, I do a lot. I've fished since I was about three years old, or as quick as I could put a pole in my hand. So it's been secondhand nature to me. And everything I do, that outlet is going fishing and uh, hitting waters, rivers in the state of Colorado. Um, I go to Florida. I go across the Midwest. I love to fish. And it ties right into my other passion, which is a firefighter. I've been a firefighter <laughs> for 25 years. And I absolutely love my job. I can honestly say there's not a day that I don't want to go to work because I have an outlet. And that outlet's very vital. I truly believe in the firefighting world. You have to have an outlet. 
Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit, bit more and I'll kind of talk about it. Um, as you guys know out there, firefighters and police officers, they have what's called this PTS depression and they can get that. And um, there's statistical data out there. We're five times higher um, to possibly uh, basically commit suicide than anyone else. And in 2019, we had 114 suicides. It was more than line of duty deaths. So my point here is the importance of having an outlet um, with two passions, being a firefighter and a fisherman, my outlet is fishing. And that's what this whole firehouse fishing company is about. Awesome, man. And, you know, from one brother to another, you know, you got, you got some years on me, you know, senior man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say, you know, that, that, and being in, in a metropolitan area, um, you know, you think, oh, it's such a big department and, Everybody knows everybody here, and the sad reality is we all know somebody in the fire service who has unfortunately succumbed to PTSD and has taken their lives. Um, I've had the unfortunate uh, <laughs> uh, task of, you know, finding one or two people before um, who I knew, you know, and and affected even me going into the fire service. Uh, my uncle, who... Um, who was a, he retired from the department in Michigan, that deputy chief, but a couple, about a year and a half after retirement, you know, his uh, demons caught up with him and uh, unfortunately he succumbed to it as well. So it is very real. Um, I, I understand and I know, know it just as well as you do. Um, and, you know, to the, the, the biggest thing, and for those who are listening who are not in the fire service and who, are you know hearing this for the first time you know one of the big things and dave i'm sorry i'm stealing your thunder for a second no, here I, but, I, uh, I think it's very important keep going yeah one of the, one of the biggest things that and we're, i would say especially culturally we're trying to change is that that ptsd was a stigma it was a stigma an unwanted stigma that you know you you just dealt with it now i i you've been a fireman for 25 years i've been a fireman for 12 so, you know, and I started when I was 19 and that stigma um, of just you, you tuck it away and you move on, you, um, you know, you just, you know, yeah, you, you put it, nobody, you don't think about it. And what winds up happening is all that stuff you put away just manifest until where it gets out of control. And totally agree with you. And part of what Firehouse Fishing Company is all about is visiting firefighters from across the country. Um, and what I do is we share those same two passions of being a firefighter and having that outlet mm -hmm. as a fishing fisherman. And part of that is because you just nailed it. Part of it is that outlet because you have to have the lifestyle change when you leave that firehouse because it is demanding. Every day it's demanding. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. And the big part is we do create calls for, you know, your 12 years, my 25 years. It's in your head. That Rolodex continues. And if you don't have an outlet such as fishing or other, that Rolodex will blow up. And then that's where it turns into that PTSD and depression. So my whole point of the, and the goal of this company is to enlighten people and educate them of who we are as firefighters and also pull in not only the civilians, but the firefighters themselves of the importance of having that outlet. And I truly believe, in my opinion, it's fishing. Absolutely. And, 
you know, you, you said it, it you said it in, in the order itself. The civilians aren't the hard ones to get across to. It's it's us. We are our own worst enemy. I mean, until you can get over that hump and gap, I mean, it, it, trying to tell, a, you know, and that's something that's, as a fireman, it you're bred that way. You you are a creature of habit because you're so used to routine. And trying to break a routine, uh, really, you know, like you said, getting into an outlet, you know, we're the hardest ones to get to get into fishing if you're not into fishing already. <laughs> Totally agree with you. And I'm, and that's why I'm glad to be here tonight because we share that same passion of a firefighter and having that outlet is fishing. Absolutely. So let, let's talk a little more fishing. So Colorado, man, um, that's, you know, when I think of Colorado, I think of these awesome streams that are running through the Rockies. I think of yeah. uh, some glacier lakes that are left over that hold monster trout in there. Um, but the one thing I don't really think of too much is bass, but unlike my last episode, I was proven wrong because Nebraska is, is a pretty good fishery, uh, that I found out. So like me about Colorado, man, Let, let's talk fishing there. Let's do it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the front range of Colorado. When you come into Denver, you have what's called the front range and there's multiple lakes and rivers and streams. And one of the ones that flow right through downtown Denver, it's called the South Platte. And of that South Platte, there's 37 miles of what we call gold waters. Now, every gold waters, you probably know, you'll have at least 60 pounds of trout per acre. And at least uh, the size would be between 12 and 14 inches or bigger in that gold water. But at the really? same time, you can fly fish and you can spoon for the uh, largemouth and smallmouth in some of these streams on the front range. And it also okay. ties in to some of the small lakes and big lakes that we have, not like Michigan, but um, <laughs> there's some different size lakes out there that do hold large amounts of walleye, largemouth and, and, and smallmouth bass as well. And then that's just the front range. Then you jump up into the mountains. We have uh, roughly 9,000 miles of Colorado River, from the Animas River to the Colorado to the Gunnison, which have about 322 miles of Goldwater uh, Rivers as well that host some of the largest fish, such as yellow cutthroat, browns, golden trout, real ground trout, that you have the opportunity to fish for. Um, it's pretty cool. But, no, I just recently got into fly fishing, so I, you know, I be honest with you i haven't caught anything yet on the fly um just because i've been working on my casting before anything else i'm not really worried about catching yet i just want to make sure i get my my technique down get that double but, haul in right in there yeah absolutely <laughs> um and i i will say you know from practicing and being being bored at the firehouse too i we had a hula hoop so i was practicing uh casting to the hula hoop from you know uh about 30 yards away and or not 30 sorry 30 feet away making yep. that you know making that hit there so uh but you know that sounds exciting man you know and that what really inspired me was a, a trip out west to um yellowstone and i saw a guy i saw how crystal clear that water was and guys fishing for cutthroat in uh yellowstone i was like man i'd like to get back out one day and the way you start describing these golden rivers and it's yeah, it, it, soon. it's quite epic. Yeah, and, and some of yeah. these, even if you're not fly fishing, that's okay. 
because we're not all professional fly fishing, including myself. I'll raise the hand right there. <laughs> However, we can also use spinners and normal rods to get into these rivers, and you can get hooked up with some monsters. And even if they're not monsters every time, these fish fight like nobody's business because of the weather patterns that they have. I mean, you go from warm water to cold water. These things are tough fish. The, the rivers drop sometimes, so they have to fight for, obviously, to succeed in these rivers because sometimes they're flowing at a large amount of CFM in the springtime. So it's pretty amazing. Now, when when you talk about the uh, the changes and stuff like that, is is all the are all these rivers are they uh, regulated at all, or are they all just naturally flowing from uh, the tops of mountains down? Um, I would say both. They're regulated in some areas, such as the Colorado River, because that pushes into Arizona, then it ends up into California, and then obviously yep. out to the ocean. But they're also controlled. Um, but a lot of them, all the water that's coming air, coming down the mountain is in the springtime when the snow melts. Okay. And that increases the amount of water and the GPMs that's flowing into these areas. Okay. And then most of these trout and because it's different here um but most these trout are all native to the area right correct there's no stocking program or anything they, they're naturally um spawning and reproducing they are naturally spawning that is correct okay yeah see like for us unless it's in lake michigan and in some of the tributaries which there's not many um they had to do um stocking programs so they get the they go to the hatchery and then they come to select locations where you know you can harvest afterwards but sure. we don't get the, we don't get the natural the all natural like uh you would out west absolutely <laughs> and you're, you're right on that but i still think the colorado division of wildlife they do an exceptional job of making sure that some of these rivers they do will add uh not introduce the same species in some of the rivers based on certain criteria for example we've had significant wildfires here so okay. those wildfires affect the rivers obviously from the soot that comes down from the fires afterwards and whatever else ties into that water and they'll kill off some of the fish. And so they will replenish those rivers, but obviously it's with the natural species that was meant to be in these rivers in the first place. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good on their part because, you know, sometimes we were just, I was just talking today where I was fishing the guy who used to stock uh, the lake that I was at and, you know, changing the hands and people have different ideas and intentions you know the the lake unfortunately has they, they missed stocking last year so they're still trying to get it this year but it's not looking like it's going to happen and it, it, that's kind of you know that that's a shame because it's it's a good fishery but um if you Absolutely. don't keep up with it if you don't keep up with it then you know <laughs> it's going to wind up being you know it's going to not be well because you know and let's admit it not everybody's honest people don't keep within limits people keep you know not within the size range so right you know they're taking everything everything that bites goes home you know whether you can harvest it or not so what's crazy is you could be in in the colorado mount, mountains fishing for these beautiful uh golden trout or browns or you know rainbow trout um even the uh the big trout the lake trout and some of these deep waters that we have up there that get huge the mackinac um, but then you could bump back to eastern colorado where you're fishing for um some of the warmer species, the bass, uh, the stripers, and some of those. So we have a kind of a fluctuation of all different types of species in Colorado, just based on the time of year that you fish. And then in the winter, you're ice fishing. So you got a lot of options. 
Now, obviously, the colder weather fish, such as walleye, I'm sure there's northern pike. You've mentioned lake trout in the deeper waters. Um, how, how long is your guys' ice season out there? Um, it just depends. Um, Colorado basically hit their warmest September they've had in like 50 years. Um, so ice season depends, but so you got to break it down again. If you're in the Metro Denver area, you might hit an ice season, you know, late mid to late December, and then push that into February. It's a very small window. Um, okay. if you're talking the mountains where the big Maclib and other, uh, species and large size trout that, uh, once those lakes freeze over that two inch or greater, typically around the end of November, first of December, right into the end of February. So we do have a small window of ice season. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like us, man. Um, we were actually just talking our season, our ice season didn't start to almost mid January and it only lasted to maybe about a month to the, maybe the third week of February, if that, but it wasn't, I mean, there's times where it just wasn't all solid ice throughout. You'd have pockets and then you'd have open water in some places too. So definitely, you know, it's, uh, it's changing because I remember as a kid, ice season here would start late November and go all the way to first week of March. So, those windows are slowly going down more and more. You, you, I totally agree with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see when we do truly get, truly get ice um, based on a very, very hot summer and now even a hot fall. So, yeah, yeah. quite interesting. Cool. And then uh, for bass, um, so you said it's on the the eastern half. So, so, yeah, so you can start with the French Range. If you flew into Denver, there's multiple lakes from, from Pueblo State Park to Chatfield Reservoir to some of the local area lakes here. We do have bass in them. Smallmouth and, and largemouth, you said? Yep, exactly. Cool. Do, do you guys, how big is the, if you know offhand, what's your guys' state records? Gosh, I wish I could hit on the size of the bass, <laughs> but I, I don't want to speak to that and be incorrect on it. I got you. <laughs> it's not are, as are you, where you are. <laughs> are you guys, uh, what's an average bass size that you're catching out there? Uh, two pounds. Average, huh? One and a half to two pounds. I'll leave it at that. I won't okay. go any higher than that. Yeah. All Sometimes right, small, it just depends. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's um, also big here is the wipers. Have you ever caught a wiper? Yes. They yep. get big. <laughs> Well, and those are not, I mean, because they're not, I mean, technically if they're put there for a reason, kind of like how salmon are in Lake Michigan, exactly. they're there They're there for a reason, but um, they're not really native. And obviously a striper and a white bass, you know, had uh, had uh, come together at some point in time and there's your wipers. <laughs> so a lot of people fish those wipers on the, on the eastern area of, of, of Colorado, what we call the plains. And, you know, they're catching 10, 12, 13, 14 pound wipers. They get pretty big. Yeah. For us. Oh, that's yeah. Big. No, that's, yeah, for us too, though, that's pretty big by all standards. Uh, we have some cooling lakes that they got introduced to over here uh, to help with uh, with algae and stuff like that. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's wipers that come out are just massive. <laughs> yep. And they're and they're, and, they're, and they uh, they've been feeding a lot off on the shad, you know, in the spring, and then they're still feeding right now. Some of them, I heard some of the guys were starting to catch them just because of the temperature has been changed a little bit in the water, so it's created a little bit of movement for them. It's not been static. Doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. Um, what are you fishing out of? Are you fishing out of boat, shore, kayak? 
I do a little bit of both, um, kayak, shore, and walking the rivers in, in the state of Colorado. Um, okay. If I if I'm going heading towards your way um, or into Florida, I do some a lot of fishing in Florida too. Then we do what uh, we have a paddleboard. I like the paddleboard. Yeah, buddy. Two paddleboards. They're about twelve feet long, with yep. a small little electric motor on there. They work great in getting into tight areas. Cool. Are you uh, when you're in Florida? Are you fishing? on the Gulf or the uh, Atlantic or the cold side? Yeah. So not on the West side, we're fishing in the Gulf side down by the Venice area. Um, a lot okay. of fishing into there. So we get into the Schnook and, yep. and, and some of the other uh, species over there that are great to catch the sea bass, uh, sea trout. So it's fun to get into those. Yep. <laughs> I actually, uh, a couple of years ago, we were just talking about this trip. We went out, um, uh, um, St. Pete beach, uh, yep. Madeira Beach, John's Madera Pass. Beach, yep. And uh, it was uh, Salty Dog Charters was the charter. Brandon Vaughn was the captain. Great guy. Still talk to him once in a while. And uh, first time out that way, we we were trying to make it for the mackerel run, but we, we missed it by a few days. So instead, he took us hog fishing. Holy crap, man. Hogfish put up a great fight. They are epic, and they're just yep. as good to eat as they are to reel in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they they were they were tasty too. Yeah, they're yeah. a unique looking fish, aren't they? They are. The color the color pattern on them when you know just like uh just like Mahi, when you uh when you take them out of the water, instead of them losing their colors, actually their colors kind of brighten up, especially the, the running patterns exactly. throughout the skin look really cool. Um, they're they're an amazing fish and they put up a significant fight people don't even know, realize what a fight they put on until they get oh with yeah and they're like wow <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> me and my buddy our arms were our arms were sore from reeling all those fish <laughs> that is awesome that's, so that's a great area to fish i'm very familiar with that area um when you're down there too did you do any uh fishing for reds always um a couple cool. of weeks ago we were fishing for reds um in some of the uh the uh uh, waterways and they were moving pretty good and we were using some jigs some white jigs uh, to simulate a smaller fish and we would get into them nothing significant probably about 20 22 inch size but nothing major the the keeper slot for florida if i remember was 24 to 28 right correct yeah okay yep yeah, still, still works. Absolutely <laughs> does. And where you were fishing, also where it's called the Sky Bridge in that area, you remember the big bridge that comes up yep. and over into, into Tampa there? That's a great area to fish too. You can get into the Goliath groupers and others. So that's, nice. a, that's a good hit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I'd, like, I'd like to go back down there, uh, especially fishing those brackish waters because – um, I gotta look at the map to remember. I actually, no, I do. Rem I think it's called Crystal Lake. Okay, it's just north of Johns Pass. It's brackish because um, there's a freshwater lake, and then there's a uh, there's a small river, maybe about a mile or two, that connects into the uh, that connects into the Gulf side right there. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he, he was saying, I mean, between the spec, you know, for all your typical brackish shores, your, your speckled trout, your redfish goes, and then going further back, he goes, there's big bat, there's big largemouth that live back in that lake. 
Totally. I'm going to take you up on it and, and I'm going to meet you down there. I have some great areas in some small lakes that have large, big bass, <laughs> as well as the schnook and everything else that go in there. Because, yes, yeah, that brackish water is mixing them the two together. Yeah. It's amazing yep. how big they get. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He showed us pictures, man. I was like, man, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um. So what, what kind of kayak are you in? Um, uh, L2. Have you ever he heard of the L2? It's a flat, it's a flat board. Look them up. They're about, um, this one's 12 feet long. It's 36 inches wide. Um, they're amazing. It looks like a mini pontoon. So you can stand on them one end or the other. They'll hold up to 550 pounds and they will not flip. So L2 kayaks, right? L2 live and they're an amazing kayak. And I actually met the owner. He's actually out of Clearwater, Florida, and uh, they build a, a strong product. I'm pulling it up right now. Give me one yep. second. I'm gonna Take share it. On, I'm gonna share it on our screen right now. I'm gonna grab this one thing on it too as well. All right, so we're looking at it right now. The L2 fish. There you go. Okay, cool. So and, and you're using this both in Florida and in uh, Colorado, huh? Yeah, so you can actually attach a small electric motor. Um, I have one that sits actually in the front and I control it with the I have a little small cooler I put in the back. Because remember, yeah. this is 12 feet, and, and I use a Rodan, R-H-O-D-A-N, um, electric motor, and they're amazing because it's all pivotal. You can click on that little button when you get locked into a fish, and um, it'll just put you into a mode of like an anchor would, and it'll just control that uh, motor, and it's very, it's very effective. I swear, if you didn't have that motor, that was you up on that picture right there. <laughs> Let's go back. Right? Hold on. <laughs> There you go. There you go. That's very similar to the one I have. <laughs> they're a great, they're a great, great little small boat, and you can get into some small areas. Oh, what yeah. I like is you don't feel unstable on them. You don't feel like it's going to flip over on you. Okay, cool. Yeah, they they almost you know in, in the same way I would say um, what what's out there from uh, Blue Sky works is the um, you know is the the same pontoon style. This is more, this is more, it can now, how does this, does this break down or is it one piece? It is one piece. And get okay. this, how much do you think that thing weighs? It looks super lightweight. I'm probably going with about maybe 60 pounds. You're, you're pretty darn close between 50 and 55 pounds. They weigh. Okay. Yeah. It's a pretty light, that's a pretty light vessel. Yep. You can carry that on your own. It has a, a clip in the center and you just pick up and put under your arm and um, off you go. Sweet. Cool. Uh, and for anyone who's uh, listening, again, that's the L2 Fish. If you guys want more, check out their website. Uh, and we'll actually kind of – actually, this is a good one to bring up to our other show, um, The Reel Down, which is a product review show. So um, if you if you ever feel like you want to uh, go ahead and uh, give L2 Fish the uh, – you know, give them their business, uh, we definitely have you on the uh, – on the real down talking to uh brandon josh about it yep and i know the owner he's he's a great person and they they stand by their product that's what i like about it and and just a quick hit on them just because i think it's important to show importance of how, how this company operates i flew in there and i told him i wasn't get in until nine o'clock he goes no problem he goes and this was on a friday night he goes come over to my company it's obviously closed and um, i'll meet you there so i got in at 9 30 he gave me a tour of his business Oh, sweet. Customer service absolutely yeah that's awesome 
Yeah, it's, it's good quality, man. That's that's awesome to hear that businesses are out there like that. Cool. So when you're fishing, um, you know, for your freshwater, what, what kind of technique do you like the most? Well, I like to use spinners a lot. So um, I use a, a light rod and reel. And if I'm up on the rivers, um, if I'm not using a fly, then I'll go to a rod and reel. And then with small MEP spinners, typically an O or a 1. Okay. Um, obviously checking what the water looks like and the clarity before I drop anything in. Cool. Yeah, the old, you know, it, it. I feel like around here that's a lost technique is using inline spinners. Um, also, a lot of time around here we use them for northern pike. They work yep. great. They do. Great for northern. Sometimes cool. I like to go back to smaller tradition, which hits in that area, and I know the rivers quite well, some of them, and, you know, you kind of get a feel for what what's hitting and what's not. <laughs> um. Real quick, I wanted to ask you, and it, you know, by all means, you know, it's not trying to go super personal, but what, uh, you know, mentioned your fireman, where, uh, what fire department are you on, and uh, where in relation in Colorado is it? Yeah, great question. So, um, I work for the city of Westminster Fire Department, which is a suburb of Denver. I'm about okay, we actually almost tie neck and neck to Denver. We're about if you're in downtown Denver, we're just about 10 miles to the north, and we tie into several multi-jurisdictions uh, that connect to Denver. Okay, very good. Yeah. What's your, what are you guys running on average a year? Uh, we run between roughly 12 and probably this year we'll hit 14,000 calls in a 33-square-mile basis. And we okay. also will support five other jurisdictions around us. So we have mutual aid and automatic aid. All right, very well. And then how many, uh, how many stations – your, so we uh, have six stations um, okay. within the city of Westminster, um, and we also are our full uh, fire department, uh, full functioning with fire and rescue. So we also have medics on our department, and okay. which are also firefighters. All right, cool. Yeah, that's kind. Of, you know, um, you know, I, when you do come here, you'll see the way we operate. It, it you kind of, you're set up like how suburbs are, but the city, we're uh, even though I'm firefighter paramedic on the engine uh our ambulance crews are uh strictly single rural paramedics but we're all in the same house that's awesome so, that's the way we function just the same way yep so yeah it's uh we have the uh busiest ambulance in the nation at wow. our house so they average on an you're you're coming on a friday they're probably going to do probably anywhere between 30 and 35 runs for the day wow that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, so that's from the call, obviously the transport and then back to the station. So they basically aren't at the station. They, they're not there. No, <laughs> we, and if we, it's, it's a rarity. If like you see them, if you see them for more than an hour, it's a slow day. Wow. <laughs> they are very busy. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool. Well, that, um, and the one other thing I wanted to uh, bring up too I know, actually, I, I'd like to bring it up later on, but I want to bring it up now just because we're on the subject of firefighting. Um, do you guys do anything with uh, Colorado Springs in the uh, the memorial? Absolutely, we do. We always participate in that. We'll send apparatus down there. Uh, we support in any way we can uh, from the union side as well as from the city side. Absolutely. Um, I've been down there multiple times, and for the audience, if you've never been there, uh, it's a great place. It's Colorado Springs. It's about an hour and a half from Denver Airport, which is DIA. They actually have their own uh, airport in the Springs, and it's an amazing place to go. Um, 
each year they have it in September typically. And it's, it's beautiful that time um, in Colorado Springs and the whole memorial for firefighters is set up there and they put on an incredible uh, um, celebration of life to firefighters down there. So it's quite, quite a place you have to go at least once. Yeah. Um, I've always firefighters from across the world. I mean, literally across the world come there from Canada, obviously the United States, we've had them everywhere that come down there. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing. Cool. Cool. Well, and that's, uh, that's the next segue, man. So you got everybody coming to Colorado. Let's, let's talk about what to do out here. Oh my gosh. There's amazing things to do there. So we talked about fishing from the state parks and the front range up to the yep. mountains. Um, if you come to Colorado and I can break it down a little bit for family life, they have what's called Grand Lake, Colorado. It's a beautiful area with multiple lakes and it ties into um, Estes Park on the backside of the, of the area uh, where there's elk and moose. And um, it's, it's quite an epic spot to go. Um, if you want to come in the winter to do fishing, they have some great lakes up there. Also, you can bump over to Breckenridge. Uh, which is an amazing ski resort. We're known, obviously, for skiing and snowmobiling. Actually, Grand Lake is the snowmobile capital of the country, I believe, still. They have some amazing places to snowmobile. And then that ties right into Vail, Colorado, too, for skiing and fishing. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a hidden gem that uh, everyone talks about. I've never been. I've seen pictures. Uh, how far is Telluride from uh, – that's on the other side, right? I was just going to go there with you. So you have Telluride, Durango and Telluride, Silverthorne, the whole southwest uh, Colorado. It is beautiful. Um, there's 14ers there, uh, mountain peaks that you have to drive over to get there. And um, there's beautiful lakes and streams up in Telluride, Colorado. Um, it's a great place to visit. Bring your wallet, though. <laughs> you know – I, the closest I've been um, was I was in Moab a couple of years ago. And uh, so Grand Junction was like the closest Colorado marker to us. Um, but we, but it's crazy because I, I, I have the picture and where we, where we were at, we did a uh, mountain biking excursion. So we did uh, four days of mountain biking from, if you're familiar with uh, Canyonland National Park. No, right where it's at. <laughs> All right, so where where the needles are? Yep, at the south end of the park, along all the Black Diamond Trail that's on the outside of the park. We, we did three nights of primitive camping along it, but there's a there's a point. It's called Chicken's. It's yeah, Chicken Chicken Foot Crossing, is what it's <laughs> called. And once you get once you go past the sign, it's about another say about five hundred foot ascend to the peak but sure. where you're it's a it's a flat and then it just all rolls well where you're standing on that flat you could see you are truly in the foothills of the rocky because and, and the way this picture was it was it was pretty awesome you had the moon on one side of the mountain the sun right over it and then just the foothill of where we were at uh and, and to you know that's hundreds of hundreds of miles away but yet it looks like it's right there because there's the, yeah. And the reason is, in my opinion is there's, there's no city lights right there. So it just, it just enhances the color there with the moon and the sun. Um, oh, absolutely. You close to the Mesa Verde right there in grand junction, which is another Epic spot for fishing and hanging out. 
Yeah. Um, no, it was not, but because we went back into Moab. Yeah. So we still kept going north. We still kept trekking north. North, yeah. And they have amazing uh, uh, peach orchards there in um, in Grand Junction. And then they tie it from peach orchards right to distilleries. So they have tons of distilleries and breweries. Oh, Colorado has tons of those. <laughs> it's, it, there's tons of them. We're gonna we're gonna and, tap into we're gonna tap into that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know they have the breweries in Colorado. You have Coors, and then you have the Budweiser as well. Um, they have just unique different places that you can come and yeah there's tons of breweries within the state so let, let's start here from um from where you're at okay or throughout the state give me three restaurants that you'd recommend people had to check out hands down okay hands down um buckhorn exchange okay um, it's a it's in downtown denver it's an out it's been there for about 60 years they have more fish and wildlife on the wall, and you can get anything you want there. <laughs> anything. Uh, anything. Any type of wildlife from rattlesnake right down to gazelle. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. <laughs> um, the next one I would say is Bojo's Pizza Place. For If you like pizza, and I'm talking Colorado. This isn't Chicago, but okay. Colorado. <laughs> Idaho Springs, you're in the mountains. There's breweries all wrapped around you. You're sitting outside and you're looking at these mountains that go vertical wrapped around you. It's a great place to go. Um, the last one I would have to say is probably the fort. Um, it has some cool outdoor uh, life that you can go up there. It's at the front of the mountains. So you see all the mountains, but you can look back and you can see the entire city. Uh, downtown Denver across the entire front range. It's a great place to go. Um, they have amazing food there as well. Sweet. And yeah, those will be my top three. <laughs> cool. Well, now you, you've been mentioning it and it's let's let the cat out the bag. Give me your top three breweries there that you or you could go beyond three, but we're just stay, we're saying three as a minimum. Yeah, well, I would say I like the new Belgium brewery in Fort Collins. Okay. It's a great one. Big brand nationwide. Yep, big brand so, nationwide. Yep. Um, you have to go to to the the Coors Brewery as well. It's it's an it's an epic place to visit in Colorado. I heard that is out of all the major breweries that are out there. Uh, that's probably you know yeah you have Amheuser Busch, but I, they give Amheuser a run for their money from yeah. what everybody said. So that yeah that's definitely on the checkout list. And, and, and what's your number and I three? I have to tie it back to the, the, I mean, these are kind of the bigger ones, but you got to go back to Budweiser because you might not be, you might not drink Budweiser, but the brewery is amazing. The Clydesdales that they have there, it's an epic spot to visit and it's close to Denver. Cool. Yeah. I've been to the one in St. Louis. Okay. And uh, yeah, the Clydes, the Clydesdales, the whole the whole thing. I mean, it, it's a great way to kill two hours. It's, it's it pretty totally cool. is, right? <laughs> um, actually a funny story about Budweiser a couple, uh, maybe four years ago, there was a country music festival going on in Chicago. And, uh, of course me being the kind of curious person I am, uh, I snuck in and w got inside the, uh, the stables where the, uh, Clydesdales are at. And here's a picture of me taking a picture with the Clydesdale and the person who was running the stables going, get out of here. All right, take the picture. All right, let's go. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh yeah, that was yeah. a lot of fun. And I don't the, think I was. 
I, I, I didn't ride the horse, so I, I couldn't get that much trouble. <laughs> Thank God you didn't get kicked. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've been on the receiving end of that once or twice when I was younger. So I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of country background. So you like some country music, obviously, if you're a bass fisherman, would that be yeah. uh, appropriate to say? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on the same page with you. And uh, we have what's called the Country Jam, which is in Grand Junction, Colorado, about three and a half hours. They have it every summer. They have amazing, uh, some of the greatest singers that I've seen go up there. And it's a great place to go in the summer. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of, I, and that's one place for myself I'd like to check out too. I know it's bigger and, and probably in the same way how things are for us. But I would love uh, coming to your area to see a concert at Red Rocks. Yep, you're totally spot on. Red Rocks is amazing. It's a great venue. It's probably the best venue, I, I believe, in the whole western states of Colorado, uh, excuse me, of the United States. Because the rocks, they come right out of the ground and you're surrounded by it. Then the theater sits down below, which means, yeah. that, means the music level and the, the acoustics are amazing when they play there some of the top performers they want to play there because of the acoustic sound that it you know it creates there yeah, absolutely yeah i mean that's 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 another bucket list place to uh, on my bucket list to check off some um, of the some of the distilleries i want to hit you up with a couple of those that's the next one man let it keep it rolling right on so uh stranahan's are you guys familiar with stranahan's whiskey i am not that's in downtown denver okay um, Another one that I would highly uh, recommend is the Durango. So now your, your Durango, which is in the southwest area of Colorado, they have Durango Crafts and Spirits. That's supposed to be amazing. Okay. And then, and then the last, the third one I'll hit you with is uh, Breckenridge Brewery. And they also have Bre Breckenridge Distillery. That's a great cool. one. Yeah, I mean, I and I I've had Breckenridge. I do I do enjoy the beers that we get over here. Uh, so, but their distillery though, if they can make fine whiskey, uh, by all means, <laughs> right. send it my way. That's right. They make a vodka too with it. They tie it with it. There's okay. this one other called. You'd have to look it up, but it's called Tenth Mountain Whiskey. It's another one in Colorado. I've never had it, but I've heard it's pretty darn good. You know, there's another one. It's it's becoming a bigger brand now. But I, I want to say they're, they're either based out of Colorado or Montana. Tin Cup. I've heard of Tin Cup, and I think I've it is had, out of Colorado. I've had it, and it's it's actually it, – after the first shot, first shot, it, it has a bite. Don't get me wrong. It, you're going to – if you're not expecting it, but after that, it's pretty smooth. Uh, yeah. Smooth drinking afterwards. I have to agree with you, and it actually comes with that tin on the top of the bottle, yep. I believe, right? It sure does. Yep, I know what you're speaking to, and I'm pretty sure that's out of Colorado. Yep, that that was a good one that I had there. Um, so do you guys now? Is there? I, I mean, when you talk about spirits, do you guys have any uh, vineyards on on either side of the mountains? I you know because like Napa Valley goes further down, but I don't know where you what you guys would have. You know what we do, and it's an amazing one. Um, if you ever uh, come out to Colorado, you want to go to Grand Junction again. They okay. have amazing wine vineyards there. And you can do those two and three day visits where yeah. you can sample all the different types of wines. And the vineyards are beautiful there. And it's tied to the peach area as well. We have tons of peaches up there. 
So every August, people will go into Grand Junction just to get their peaches. Obviously, they sell them to the front range, but they have some amazing vineyards on that. Um, we call the Western Slope, which is right outside of Grand Junction. Um, it's called Fruta is exactly where it's at. I think uh, I think my wife, if she hears this episode, um, I think we're going to start booking our summer. I think she's going to start booking our next summer trip. <laughs> when you do, I want you to hook up with me and I will make sure we hook you up with the right people. I have family that live up in that area and I'll make sure you visit the right places the first time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, she, as long as uh, she, she's a wino. So uh, wherever she can find wine, she'll, she'll go for it too. That's so. a great place to go. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Um, so we're talking about all these small little towns. And it's, it seems like most of these towns, you know, aside from the breweries and the distilleries, kind of have their own little unique features to them. Uh, you want to give me three places that you would recommend that are unique to itself? So, like, for example, you said uh, uh, Grand Junction has a country music festival every summer. Uh, other places in the States that are worth checking out that stick out like that? Yep. Um, Silverton. It's in between Durango and um, Denver, and it's a beautiful area. It's, it sits at the base of these massive mountains, these 14ers, and they have all types of things that go on during the summer there. Um, they have a train that goes through this, uh, through the mountaintops of Durango and right in into Silverton. You can take the train right into there, and they have uh, concerts. They have all types of things going on throughout the summers. But it is a beautiful, uh, beautiful area. Cool. And then I'm going to have to bump right back into Grand Lake. Um, I know Grand Lake very well. And um, that's about, in the greatest part, it's only an hour and a half, maybe two hours max from basically the airport. And it's a beautiful area. And that's where you get to see the elk, the moose. You can fish three different oh, massive lakes up there. You can do it all. Get me excited right now, man. I, that's <laughs> that's everything. You know that, and don't get me wrong. I we had one of the best trips going out to um, to Wyoming to Tetons and Yellowstone, but you know that just sounds. It still sounds all you know everything that you would imagine. You know that we don't get here in the Midwest that you yeah. you, know, you can only envision. You could come out here in the winter or summer. They're both beautiful. You come in the winter, you get a snowmobile. The, the snowmobiling is epic in that area. Or you're coming in the summer where you're taking, you know, UTVs or four-wheel drives up into the top of mountain peaks, and you'll see moose come right into the town. You will, I guarantee you, you'll see a moose when you come in there. I won't get yelled at by uh, park rangers for uh, getting out of the when we went the uh, bull elk were uh, in their were uh, they're in their mating, so they were they were doing their uh, calls and yep. charging through the town, and the park rangers started yelling at us, "You got to get inside, get back in your RV." <laughs> You can't yep. be out here. <laughs> we're, that we're will all happen thinking. when they're in rut. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and, and the elk are a little bit bigger than a smaller. You know, the elk are huge. They're a big. Oh elk. yeah, that that stag that came running up, man, that thing was massive. Uh, it, it was. If you want to see elk, Grand Lake, obviously, but then it bumps down into what we call Estes Park. If you googled Estes Park right now, I assure you. What will come up on that Google is there'll be pictures of elk immediately. It's amazing, <laughs> especially right now. Okay. The yeah, because the rut's going on right now. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, any other places that are worth mentioning that you uh you want to give out to? 
Well, we, we kind of started with obviously the area from Front Range, which is Fort Collins. It's a beautiful, it's a college town, but it's also, they have some amazing places from distilleries to breweries. Um, the scene, the scenic view is, it's, it's beautiful there. And it bumps all the way down to the Front Range, all the way to Colorado Springs. And then you bump up into the mountains. Um, I think we kind of talked about some of the areas in, uh, in the mountains, Bell, Breckenridge, Telluride. Um, mm -hmm. those areas and then you bump over to the uh, the uh, other side of the of the range there and then you have Grand Junction Fruita and the other areas those are the ones I would recommend cool very well well you know that's uh that's a lot I, I hope everyone who's listening had a pen and paper like I did and took notes because those notes are going to come in handy when it's time to go <laughs> absolutely absolutely um so right now we're gonna do a little transition um into our seg our segment known as one sip everybody knows the rules are you familiar with barstool sports mm -hmm. okay so then you probably know where this came from was from um <laughs> one bite everybody knows the rules from dave portnoy but what we do on this part is we do some beer samplings and now you had me all thirsty talking about all the breweries there. So on tonight's segment, which is brought to you by Rocktown Adventures here in Northern Illinois, gear up, head out for all your kayak, camping, and exploring needs. Um, we are going to be having Southern Tier Pumpkin. Um, as all the women would say, it is pumpkin spice season. Uh, for all the beer drinkers, it is pumpkin season. And this pumpkin beer uh, is always on draft. I love it. But uh, it's very, very rare around here to find it in bottles. And I was able to get my hands on some. So I saved a bottle for tonight's episode. The only thing I don't have in front of me is a bottle opener, which I was ill-prepared for. So now I'm just using whatever tool is at my disposal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where are they made out? Where is the brewery? So I want to say they are based out of Pennsylvania. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, they don't have it on here. It is uh, Southern Tier. And I, if I Google, oh, you know what? Here it is. Lakewood, New York. Lakewood, New York. All right. Yep. So again, uh, like I said, I've always had this one on draft, never had it in a bottle. All right. We're going to do a pause at 48. So 48.25. We're good. I'm just going to make a note right now to pause it at 4825, and then we'll come back in in a second. I got to grab a bottle opener real quick. Right on. If you want, you grab a beer, do one as well. I'm going to. I'll be right back, Dave. All right. Sounds good, buddy. old halligan bar <laughs> there you go the old school halligan bar yeah look like this one it's same one 
<laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Where'd you get yours from? You know, I got it as a gift um, one time, and it's been a while. And it was a buddy of mine from the East Coast. It, uh, it's not from the Getting Salty podcast, is it? No, uh-uh, no. Listen to those guys? I lost you. There you go. You're back. I was going to say, do, do you uh, listen to the Getting Salty podcast? No, I, I have not, unfortunately. Oh, it's a good one to check out. All right, I'm checking it out. I'm writing it down right now. Cool. All right, I'm going to give us about 15 seconds, and then we're going to jump back in. Okay, how about it? 10 seconds. And cheers to pumpkin. So let's pour it. I want to give a shout out to Black Horizons. I always mention them on the podcast. Uh, based here on Willowbrook, and because it's spooky season and it's pumpkin, we're gonna put these two together. So let's pour it. One sip. Everybody knows the rules. <laughs> I like it. It smells very pumpkinish. Now, don't let it fool you that it's pumpkin. Because this beer is uh, 8.6 uh, ABV. So it, it does pack a punch. All right. Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, man. How's that? I, am I turning orange yet? Is the head <laughs> starting to grow out and the little Just stem little. coming up? <laughs> You know, I love this stuff on draft, and it's even better that I can find it in a bottle to enjoy at home. This is always great. It's very um, – so first, on the front front end, it's very uh, refreshing. Uh, it kind of has some darker, darker notes to it. Uh, this is more of truly an ale. If you were to think like a red ale on steroids, this is what it would be. But on the back end, you could taste the malts. Um, and you could also taste there's almost like a like a nutty taste to it, but it's not overpowering. But yet you could taste the like if you're eating a piece of pumpkin pie, it's very good. Perfect. That's good to hear. Uh, out of five stars, I five out of five. You know, it, it's it's hard for me to give a beer five, but this beer is uh, hands down. There's no other. There's no other pumpkin beer. That could trump the pumpkin beer. So, right on. There's your segment of one sip. Hope you guys enjoy and go out there and find pumpkin because this is great. So, on that note of greatness, Dave, I want to say thank you again. But I want to give you the floor. I want to give you the floor to give thanks to anybody uh, that's close to you, sponsors. Anybody out there who you want to? Yeah, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your show tonight. It, it, it's a it's a great opportunity, and I feel honored to be here. Um, I've enjoyed it. Um, Good. And Firehouse Fishing Company it will be coming live on December first of this year, okay. and we'll be showing our shows. And I look forward into an amazing year and beyond. And I want to reach out and thank all my supporters, especially through Firehouse Fishing Company, and um, through a couple of our good friends of mine. And we're going to move forward. So thank you. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Very good, Dave. Well, thank you again for uh, coming on to the podcast. 
Um, guys, you know, usually I'm talking, you know, linking up everybody's social media. Um, there is so Dave has his stuff in the works. There's nothing out yet, but when it does come out, uh, I will definitely you, you either check out Pale and Finn's page, check out my personal pages, check out Four Star Fishing. You guys will see the links to Firehouse Fishing. So it's um, it's a great and again, it, thank you for taking the time and effort to put this together and and to get the message out there to everybody about you know the the side that nobody wants to talk about and the side that people always think that you know we don't ever see which absolutely is... it's so important and and, and my shows come out you're going to see you're going to see that side and i'm hopefully we can reach out to firefighters our own people as well as the public so they truly understand uh what we do and how we do it and how we escape with one of my favorite things and passion is fishing absolutely well guys thanks again for tuning in to another episode of off the water Thanks to Dave Varney from Firehouse Fishing Company for his awesome, awesome insight and information about Colorado and his company itself. And until next time, I will see you guys off the water. Peace. Sit tight a second, Dave. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.